We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up? Welcome into an exciting news-breaking edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me today to help break down the brand new acquisition or seemingly a finalized acquisition here of Chris Stapps Porzingis to the Boston Celtics is my podcasting cousin from across the pond, the leader of the Taylor gang, the one and only adam taylor adam how you living my guy yo so i'm i i'm speechless that's i think that's the only <laughs> way we can do it man i'm doing well i'm doing well excited nervous uh, i always get like super like i know there's a deep dive coming once this track yeah. <laughs> your brain starts but, working in different directions of yeah and honestly it's funny so as you and i were getting set up and you know we're live right now so appreciate everybody that's joining us right now youtube twitter Put your questions in the chat. We're doing this live, so we're going off the top of the dome. We're, we're giving you our first reactions to all this as well. Uh, so let's go by for those of you in the chat here. You see something, say something. If something new breaks, then Adam and I haven't seen it quite yet. Put that link in the chat. We're going to be you know checking Twitter and everything as well as we go along here. But you know, Adam, to your point of like your mind kind of racing in different directions. You know, right before we came on, you're like, "Give me one second. I'm just gonna you know go take care of something real quick before we hop on." I went and grabbed a notebook because I was like, I think there's like seven different topics that this all kind of avalanches down to with this potential trade coming out here. So, uh, you know, it's it's really hard to, to figure it out, but we're going to do it together. We're going to work through this, me, you, and everyone that's joining us here in the chat. We're going to figure it out. So let, let's start here. Let me set this up with what we do know so far. So I'm going to use Woj's tweet here, which is one of the more recent tweets that came out about the Shams was the one who was all over this. Adam and I were joking about the Shams versus Woj war is a very fascinating battle within itself, which is, will come come to a head even more tomorrow night uh, when we get into the NBA draft. But ESPN sources, the Celtics are working on a trade to acquire the Wizards' Chris Stapps Porzingis in a three-team deal that sends Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers. L.A. is sending Marcus Morris, Amir Coffey, and 30th pick to Washington. Uh, still a little bit of work to be done here. It seems from, I think Jake Fisher had it, that it looks like likely Gallo will be in this deal. Not sure if he's potentially going to the Wizards, the Clippers. But for the Celtics' perspective, Adam, it looks like Chris Stapps Porzingis comes to the Celtics, Malcolm Brogdon, 
Danilo Gallinari. For now, those are the two pieces that we see go out. Let's just start with with your initial reaction as this has kind of developed over the last two to three hours. Yeah, so I'm like, I was expecting a guard trade. So I'm not shocked that Malcolm Brockton's the guy to get traded. I think that when you look at his injury history and then the season that he had for you, his value is probably as high as it's ever going to be. I don't see how you squeeze any more value out of Malcolm Brockton. So if you can flip Malcolm Brockton plus Gallinari that hasn't played at all into Kristaps Porzingis coming off the best year of his career, that's a win for me. I think that's a huge like step up. In, in, in essence, you flipped what? Aaron Neesmith, Daniel Tice, and Filler, plus some draft capital to get Brogdon, who then you squeeze the best season of his career out since his rookie year to then flip for Chris Stapps, Paul Zingas. I just think this is great finesse work by, uh, by Brad. I'm just looking at a tweet now from Yazzie Goslin from Hoops Hype. He's a cap expert. The Boston if the Celt when the Celtics make this deal, not if, when, mm-hmm. will be 8 million below the second tax apron with 12 players. If Grant Williams doesn't return, they'll still have enough flexibility to use their mid-level exception. Resigning him would take them over the second tax apron. So that's something we can touch on in a bit, but I just think that that's quite a big um, a big note to make. Himmelsbach says this means the end of Grant's time on the team. Why have, Grant, why have Gallo's gone too? So the Gallo part's the salary matching. Yeah, that's like, it's, it's a necessity. That was Brogdon's going to be the main piece, but but Gallo has to kind of go out. And, and that's why I think when this news first broke that the Celtics were potentially acquiring Porzingis, you know, first thing I did was run to the trade machine. Let me figure out because I know the salaries don't quite match. You got to get there somehow. And it was basically Gallo. You could piece it together a few other ways. But, you know, I think with Porzingis coming in, and this is one of the other sub uh, subplots to it, as you mentioned, it's probably the end for Grant. I mean, it felt like the end for Grant was potentially coming regardless of this. But but now, Adam, I think it's kind of funny, right? Because we look back to last offseason, and, you, and you, tra- you did a good job of tracing it back, right? Like, how did we get Brogdon? What were the pieces for that that led to Brogdon that now lead us to Chris Stapp's Porzingis? And, you know, when the Celtics got Malcolm Brogdon, myself and Greg, our other co-hosts, we were we were through the roof. We were super excited. You were a bit more tame in your uh, in your reaction, impartially, and it made sense because the injury history. And so now you're trading out a guard with injury history for a big man with injury history. But instead of gambling on the you know on Brogdon, who had not a down season but just an injury plague season before coming to Boston, now you're buying on a guy who's having coming off potentially his most well-rounded season, definitely since his time with the Knicks. It's been his most well-rounded season. And now where you once had a log jam in the backcourt, you're giving yourself a lot more versatility in that front court. And I think for me where, yeah, Porzingis injury history, it's still going to be a concern. We know we already have Rob Williams. He's got an injury history. That's a concern. Al Horford's getting 37. He's going to be 37 years old. You know, we've seen him somehow delay father time, but at at certain moments, you can see that age kind of slipping in. I think now with the three of them, I really love the way that sets up to give you a lot of versatility. And you think about, you know, for Przingis, what really made him last year, you know, have his most well-rounded season was the defense came back. That was what was missing from him a lot of his time in Dallas, and part of that might have been injury-related, but he was back to being a really high-level defender with Washington last year, and that's really exciting for the way the Celtics want to play defensively, what they want to get back to, as well as, obviously, the spacing and the you know and the shot-making that he can provide in the offensive end. I think this is, yeah, I mean, part of the reason why 
I believe Porzingis had that season was because he was all intents and purposes planning to opt out. So to him, he was under contract year. Mm-hmm. And players always up their game on a contract year. But to me, that gives him even more incentive to play at that level in the upcoming season. I get that there's an injury risk, but the way I'm kind of looking at it is Gallo was going to be an injury risk. He's coming off a major ACL injury. He's been like, is that the second one of his career, right? If I remember. Um, uh, it's been a long career. That's the point. It's, it's been a long career, so I'd have to double check on that. So you're yeah. trading away two injury guys, two injury concerns, and you're consolidating them into one injury concern. So now you've got one less injury concern to worry about. But you're also saying to KP, like, look, you've opted in now. You're playing on most likely the most talented team you've ever played on. You've got a genuine shot at winning a championship, and you're going into free agency in 2024. So everything has lined up for Paul Zingas to be the most motivated we've ever seen him. More motivated than in, in Washington where you're playing for a playing spot or you're playing mm-hmm. for an eighth seed. Now you're playing, not only will you have a chance of genuine success, but you could really put yourself on the map to earn some big money in the next offseason. Goslin also tweeted out here, I've kind of, it's kind of gone because I'm on tweet deck. Paul Zingas will be eligible to extend for an additional two years following the trade. He can add up to four once his trade restriction expires in six months. So the Celtics could tag on another two years. I don't think they're going to do that, especially not straight away. Maybe they wait till the end of the season for a two-year extension at him. But with the money and everything else that's tied doing the second tax apron... So- let me jump in here for a second, Adam, because our guy, our guy Winfred here has a good question here. He's saying KP is 27. His timeline matches our Supermax players all too well. You think this is more than a rental, and that's kind of the point that you're alluding to here is that, and this is the part for me that I like, is that I, I actually hope the Celtics do not extend Porzingis right away. I like that it's an option. I like that there there will be a time potentially because I don't. I, I believe there the time for an extension does it extend into the season, Adam, or does it have to be done before the season? I'm not sure, and I don't want to lie um, and just make yeah. it up. All I know is that he's a two year extension eligible mm-hmm. um, for the first six months, and then after the extension restriction expires in six months, so that would take us to January they could extend him for a full four years. Yeah. And then John Corrales has just tweeted out two minutes ago, if this trade means Grant's time is coming to an end, then I wonder if that means there is an extension on the horizon for Paul Zingas. Personally, I think you need to wait a little bit, um, see how the fit is. Obviously, this roster, one of the big things that we got spoke about last season was like the camaraderie and the unity mm-hmm. inside the locker room. You need to, before you start offering long-term money for Paul Zingas, you need to make sure the fit's there off the court as well. Yeah. You need to make sure that unity is still there. It's been a big part of what's drove Boston to deep playoff runs in recent years. Everybody enjoys going to work. Everybody enjoys being around each other from the reports that we've heard and read. So, yeah, uh, Mark Stein, free team deal to send Kristaps Porzingis to Boston is like, likewise expected to lead to a July contract extension for Porzingis beyond next season. So, yep, source, league sources say. So it does look like Porzingis is going to get an extension. Maybe so. Maybe he. So that's interesting, and and I wonder, did Mark Stein put in there what the money might be potentially? Thirty-six million player player option beyond. Oh no, he didn't. He said just beyond next seat. Yeah, so it's going to be in that region. So the Celtics are going to be a second tax apron team, as Keith Smith calls it, a super tax paying team. They're just dealing with the restrictions as they come. Yeah, I'm sorry, but that's a big free though, Jalen, Jason, KP. If all if KP's healthy and playing the way he did for Washington last year, I really. I'm really struggling to think of a team that can match up. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, this is a move that that makes a lot of sense. I do think with the potential extension add-on, that does make it slightly more risky to to me. That I, I think I was actually about to say before you just mentioned that report, you know, that I would be okay with this being a one-year test trial that you have an out, right? That you have an opportunity to get out of if it doesn't work, if the injuries are, you know, you know, reoccur if they come back up. But if you're really if you're going to go in with this extension as it's being potentially reported right now, that does add a, another level of concern. But to your point, Adam, I think when you look at this roster where, you know, if, if things kind of stay pat and we'll talk about the NBA draft, because honestly, we'll just give you some insight into this podcast. That was going to be the majority of this podcast was talking about an article Adam wrote for Celtics blog about what the Celtics do with the 35, 35th pick tomorrow night. Obviously, that is secondary fodder to everything that's happening right now but when you look at this roster and you think about consolidating basically brogdon maybe gallo and and grant into porzingis you know you're looking at a team that and i think and this is another subplot to me is i think potentially this leads to maybe peyton pritchard will at least be here for next season because now you could envision more playing time available for him in the backcourt assuming that obviously you know you're probably going to have marcus smart missing periods of time just the way he plays he's almost guaranteed to miss 10 to 15 games per year may need to get some additional rest so you have you know marcus smart Derek white peyton pritchard in the backcourt you've got the jays on the wings and now you have chris Stapp along with sam hauser and then you've got chris Stapp's porzingis rob williams and al horford and that's a really dynamic three-man front court to to be with and remember al horford's two-year extension starts this upcoming season so you've got him for two years you've got rob williams for three years at about 11 and a half million dollars and now you're adding porzingis to this and the great part is you can really mix and match those three any which way you choose you can play them together you can play them individually it's really going to allow for missoula in this rework coaching staff to have a, a lot of increased versatility with how they want to present that front court in different scenarios we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
You're also going to get more low post offense as well. I think there's going to be some low post playmaking. I want to see if it's not Porzingis being. Which, by the way, post. Porzingis excelled in in that role last year as a post scorer, one of the one of the yeah. top ones in the NBA last season. I think he was top or one of the top few. Kevin O'Connor tweeted. Yeah, it out. I'll, I'll look that up real quick. Where, right here. It's not only just scoring, right? You play. You can start using the post as a pivot point. You can start playmaking out of the post. If you incorporate some post play into your game, then you can start putting Jason Tatum there. He has the ability to be a high level coach's guy. X's nose question: Can KP be the man in the middle of the zone? Can he pass? He can definitely be that over-the-top entry pass guy. So you get KP to kind of cut in. Maybe you put you ask him to come off like um, some pinnings, and then he cuts towards the free throw line extended or towards the nail, hit that over-the-top pass. And then all he needs to do is redirect the ball, right? It just needs to be a toss pass. He can post up. He can run grenade actions to blow it up. I think that once you've got somebody of KP's size and gravity in the post, then... The, the zone has to start to collapse because that's what gravity does. It sucks things towards it. So I wouldn't say he'd be a zone buster, but I think he'd be more of like a zone singularity. Yeah, and, I mean, and you think about, you know, he's much more of a lob threat, obviously, than than Al Horford. So when we yeah. thought about breaking that zone, and we saw it work pretty well, that we, I, I almost think we should have had Rob in that dunker spot more frequently during that Heat series. Porzingis can do that, and he can break it from the outside. And uh, Adam, I did look it up here. He was the top post scorer in the NBA at 1.29 points per possession in the low post, uh, actually edging out Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, and Pascal Siakam. So that's a pretty impressive list for him him to be at the top of right there so i do think that this really expands the celtics talent depth like you said when you look at a you know a big three that they're really going in on but it's not just a big three that doesn't have depth you still have marcus smart you still have Derek white you still have rob williams you still have al horford so there is some depth to that you know something i did want to pull up here uh, i'm trying to find it real quick here in the chat uh see our guy marcus here chimes in with i think we still need to adjust the quote-unquote floor general problem and you know that certainly could still be a part of this offseason you know one thing that it feels like with this move and this is kind of what we started to touch on. There's going to be some trickle-down effect to this, right? You know, Adam, you said you made your who the Celtics pick with the 35th pick tomorrow night. That list was done before this move, and this kind of alters the view and shape of, of what the roster looks like and potentially, you know, who they could pick. I'm not saying the floor general problem will be solved with the 35th pick. That's probably highly unlikely to be happen. But like I said earlier, it looks like maybe this is a sign Peyton Pritchard's going to stay. Grant Williams most likely gone, but then you look to those sign and trade possibilities of what's available. And so, oh, talking know, of that, sorry to jump in. There's just no, a report in. from John John Hollinger and Tim Cato that the Mavericks have spoken to the Celtics about a Grant Williams sign and trade. I'm guessing this is going to be for Tim Hardaway Jr. So I'm just. I mean, it, was that in the report, or that's your? I'm guessing. I'm just reading through it as we speak now. Because okay. uh, that would be that. I mean, that would be an. I would number one. That would be an awesome return for me. It, a little bit expensive. I think he's. I think he's on expiring. But it, it would be a little bit expensive with Tim Hardaway coming back. I love the idea and the fit of that because I think Tim Hardaway is a little bit underappreciated as an NBA player. I think he's a guy that I've always. You know, we talk about guys that we've had. You know, secret crushes on Tim Hardaway Jr. fits into that description right here for your boy. So if Tim Hardaway were the return for that, that'd be great. Greg and I kind of got into some potential Maverick returns. I know we touched on uh, both Maxi Kleber, who would seem to be out with this move, uh, but Reggie Bullock potentially being another, depending on what type of money the Mavericks need to move. So th this is the report. 
Dallas has spoken with the Boston Celtics about a Grant Williams sign-in trade. Dallas isn't interested in using its pick to acquire him, and they may still decide against making an offer that is more than the mid-level exception, something that would force Boston to not match. Uh, but mm-hmm. Williams makes plenty of sense in Dallas. There are many... There may be other ways to complete the deal with Boston's help if Dallas decides to seriously pursue it. So obviously this was discussed. It looks like it's a transcript from a podcast or a conversation. Okay. Obviously this was discussed before the Chris Datspoor-Zingas um, discussions gathered pace and became an actual thing. So now I think that Boston would try and help make that deal. Tim Hardaway Jr. makes a bunch of sense there for me as just an extra wing guy. Um, in terms of what Mark has put, uh, address the floor general problem. I think that at this point, if you're moving on from Brogdon, and I know he put here like he's in the minority, but Smart is expendable. I'm not saying Marcus Smart is indispensable. I very rarely class a player as indispensable. The only guy in the Celtics team who I've got given that kind of label to is Jason Tatum. What I would say is that I think you have a floor general who isn't used as a floor general because Derek White's ability to play with pace, be able to play with patience, orchestrate a defense. I think the ball should be in Derek White's hands a lot more than what it has been. Mm-hmm. I also think that if you've traded away Brogdon, Marcus Smart's days, there's just a lot of cachet for him in Boston. Whenever Brad Stevens speaks about Marcus, he's like, there's a reason we've made the playoffs every year he's, since he's been here. And part of that's true. Like For all the negatives that come with Marcus playing and for all of the the boneheaded mistakes that we see, you know, the Marcus Smart no-no yes moments. He's, he's kind of <laughs> cut plenty of up. those. Yeah, but he's kind of cut them down, right? For and, sure. That's been a big part of his evolution. And his defense kind of dropped off a little bit last season, but for at times, during like midway through the season, especially around that like January, like December, January time, Smart was playing out of his freaking mind. He was playing really good offensive basketball as a distributor. Yeah, if there's a deal there to make, you go and do it. I don't think that this upcoming draft is really wing-heavy. It's not really guard-heavy. There's a few guards that I like, but you'd need to be moving up into the lottery to make sure you can get one of them. That's not going to happen. 35 and Peyton Pritchard is not going to get you into the top 14 yeah. to draft. No, that's that's not going to move a, a ton on the needle. I, I will say just on the Marcus Smart note, I, I think at this point, now that we see Mar- Malcolm Brogdon get moved, I would be surprised if the Celtics mess any further with the backcourt, at least as it concerns with Derek White and, and Marcus Smart. Peyton Pritchett, I think, could still be on the move. I still think there's maybe another move that, that could be made when we look at just backcourt options. But at this point, now that you've moved Brogdon and you've gone to add and strengthen your, your front court, I would be pretty surprised if we see Marcus Smart move now as we get into the later parts of the of the offseason. Uh, TPD, but something I want to transition to here for a minute, Adam, with this Porzingis move. Let's talk about the let's talk about lineups. Let's talk about the starting lineup and who we think, you know, is potentially coming off the bench. Cause this does this was a big point of contention, you know, in the regular season. And then certainly we really felt it in the postseason when the Celtics went back to the double big lineup at the end of the Philly series. And you felt the comments that came out of why this is the lineup we've been waiting for almost as if they were pleading with Joe Missoula to go back to this lineup. And then we had to pivot in the Miami series, Miami countered and you had to go back to, you know, bringing Rob Williams off the bench. And so now with Porzingis coming in, He's an injury concern, but likely I, I can't imagine him coming off the bench. So I'm going to go ahead and pencil him into that starting lineup. So now you have to figure, do you play double big with him and Al? 
or is it going to be smart white Jays and Porzingis? Is that your starting lineup? You know, initial thoughts. What do you envision as the starting lineup for next year with with this new news? Yeah. So, I mean, look, Porzingis throughout his career has played the four for forty percent of his time on the floor. You know what I mean? So four out of every ten minutes that Porzingis has been on an NBA floor in his career, he's been at the four. Now that's a lot of minutes. We're talking twelve thousand five hundred and six minutes to be precise. So I'm not going to do the math and divide that by four. Somebody else can do that if they want to. <laughs> so there is a world where you could go. Hmm. My, I'd, I'd prefer it to be Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Paul Zingas, Horford. But the pushback that I've got on myself there is KP's best season was last year. He played 100% of his minutes came at the five. Yeah. So you don't want to move away from what he found success with. You know what I mean? So at that point then... I would much rather prefer Marcus, Derek, Jalen, Jason, KP, mm-hmm. and then run a double big off the bench. Maybe you bring, you know, uh, I think that Rob Williams, one of the things that got spoke about during the, the playoffs, especially was, hey, if we manage Rob, Rob's minutes off the bench, he can come in and make a big impact for us. We can, you know, just because he's starting on the bench, we can sub him in at two minutes, four minutes. It doesn't make a difference. Being able to minimize Al's, um, the miles on his legs during the regular season, if he's willing to accept a bit of a lesser role day to day, that's going to be huge. Do you, do you know what's kind of funny about that, Adam? We talked a lot during the season about potentially Grant being Al's replacement. And I think Al might be the Grant replacement for this upcoming season. If you just crazy how bench. things go full circle, <laughs> right? Run that merry-go-round. Dude. Just gotta run that back. And then the other part that I was thinking of, and you know, I, I I think if I had to bet money on it, just initially within the first you know thirty minutes of reacting to everything that's happening, I would guess that you might see either both Al and Rob come off the bench, or if out of the two of them, Al would be the starter. Rob will come off the bench, and they'll run the double big. But something that I would I think is going to be fascinating is trying to get a couple minutes of Porzingis and Rob Williams on the court together. Because it's certainly feasible giving Porzingis' game, but just the level of rim protection that potentially you could have with a Porzingis and Rob Williams front line, the amount of length that you would have on the back line of that defense. I, I don't know that it you know jumps out to me as yes that's a great option all the time but yeah. i do see a world in which that's at, it's, it's at least interesting to me is kind of the point that i'm getting at yeah it's kind of like uh it a might be a science free. experiment but you know but it's something that i'd like to see just to see what happens it's kind of like a fat free version of what cleveland are running you know yeah, with I mean? Mobley and Allen. yeah but obviously it's fat free because it's not the same really but well, one, well, one same of, well Porzingis can shoot no one in the Allen Mobley combo can shoot yet at least well, Mobley's not I mean, there quite yet they use Mobley as that kind of corner stretch guy right so that like you're not going to do that with KP because he's a good pick and pop guy and he can do some other things but I think there's a world where you can make that work now do teams find a way to hunt you then because the lack of mobility on the low helpline probably they're going to figure some ways probably run some flex or whatever but I'd be down. Like I want to see at least, and I'd really like to see some crazy. I don't know how you'd make it work, but you know, all three big, triple big lineup with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who cares? Let's just. Go I mean, crazy you, could, you could get weird with that. Throw JT at the two. You know what I mean? Like, or the one, <laughs> considering he's the primary ball handler most of the time. Anyway, Jay, run some point. Yeah, you could get like, really freaky with some of these lineups if you really wanted to. You know, with this assortment of talent that's that's here now. 
but yeah, it, it's really fascinating to think about what those lines look like. Now, I think the biggest part is that, you know, we're reacting to this in the moment. I, I, I don't think the Celtics are done entirely reshaping that. It might just be on the fringes, but it doesn't feel like the Celtics are necessarily entirely done with this. Adam, I, I do want to loop in because you did such great work on your most recent article talking about the upcoming NBA draft. You know, it, within that article, I feel like you did highlight a lot of wings and, you know, kind of Grant Williams esque replacements as potential targets. So, w- without giving any specific names, or, or you can if you, if you have some in mind, how does this new information change your thinking about the 35th pick for tomorrow night? Yeah, so I tried to look at it as what was the Celtics' two biggest needs um, that would be available at the 35th pick, right? So to me, that was uh, a third wing, somebody to play back up to Tatum and Brown, and another big man to kind of, you know, provide backup to Horford and Rob. So I went and chose two of each. I looked through who'd be available around that 35 spot. I'm just going to put up my my article because there's a name or two that I sometimes forget. Well, there's a couple that I had trouble pronouncing. I know the, yeah. the first guy that you have in here, Tristan Vucevic. Am I saying v- that right? It, it's not quite know. Vucevic, but it's it's, it's, no, it's, it's Vucevic. Yeah, it's Vu- it's Vucevic almost with a with a with a K Vuk. in there, just 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 for fun, just for shits and giggles. Yeah. So to me, he's probably like the least likely out of these four to get drafted by the Celtics. He's also probably the least likely out of the four to get drafted, period. I think there's a, I think his game's quite raw. He's very reliant on his perimeter shot, but he's not a fantastic perimeter shooter yet. He's big. He's like I even wrote in the article, if the Celtics draft him, it's to stash him. It's they're, they're not drafting him to bring him over. It, it's straight up um a draft and stash. The one thing yeah. to note is he has just spent the season playing alongside Jan Madar. Um, for Partizan, and that's how everybody, every time they speak to me about this stuff, Partizan's head coach, Zeko Abradovich, or Abradovich, Abradovich, is... um, Aaron Brakovich? No, not Aaron Brakovich. (laughs) But Abradovich, as I pronounce it, is unquestionably one of the greatest coaches in European league history. Like, his player development is ridiculous. So to have him there... Um, developing Madar and then developing Vukovic. Like, that makes sense. You keep him on draft and stash. You see how he develops. To me, this was kind of just like a, hey, he's a big, he's going to be around, he could fill a role. That's not really for me, though, right? Which gets me down to the guy that is for me, the guy that if I had the choice myself, if I'm on the clock and he's available, I'm going Kobe Brown out of Missouri. Kobe. Good thing here is, He's just he's out of Missouri. Who have the Celtics just hired as an assistant coach? Phil Pressy. Where was Pressy a coach last season? Missouri. Which, by the way, real quick, and, and apparently the Celtics added another assistant coach. They Brad Stevens yeah. is. Uh, you've seen the you've seen the town, correct, Adam? Yeah, yeah. Brad Stevens is part of the not fucking around crew right now. <laughs> you know, see, see, season ended, and he said, "Oh, we were missing assistant coaches. Here's four of a kind." Oh, we needed, you know, we need to change up, you know, our our team right now because we're, you know, we need to change up the dynamic. Here's Chris Stapp's Porzingis. I hope Greg doesn't get mad at me slapping the table here as he's editing this audio here. But one more exciting man with life. Rule of three. But um, so Kobe Bryant to me is kind of the best guy available at 35 if he's there. I know some mock drafts have him going a bit later. Some have him going slightly higher. just depends. Some have him going in the 40s. To me, I think... Yeah, he's, he's been got, all over the place in the few mocks that I've looked at after reading Yeah, the no one can get their finger on kind of where they want him to be. But look, I'm going to read out this little 
snippet. In terms of perimeter scoring, Brown enjoyed a breakout year, and this is what's kind of fucking with his projection right now. So coming into the season, he was a 23 to 25 point shooter for his first three years in college. He's a four-year guy. Again, if you're picking 35th, it makes sense to me to go and get a four-year guy because they're more polished, higher floor, lower ceiling. I'll sit with that. But he shot sub 30% for his first three years. Then all of a sudden, he breaks out into a 45% shooter in his fourth. Just absolutely flame throws from the perimeter. He very quick defensively. He He's quite sturdy. He can guard multiple positions. He's a prototypical, modern, potential 3 and D wing. Right? He's not going to give you the, the kind of screening playmaking that Grant gives you, but he's going to give you a little bit more diversity in terms of being able to roll, being able to hang with some smaller guys. It's just if the shooting's there. If the shooting's not there, then you can forget about it, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know how how would they say forget about it. How'd you forget do? about it? There we yeah, go. Not, neither one, neither one of those was great. We'll have to we'll have, we'll have, <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have to work on that. But no, I think I, I think Adam out of out of the people that you know out of, out of the guys that you highlighted in in your article, I do think he was the one that certainly stood out stood out the most. I think Gregory Jackson was another intriguing. One. I think those were probably the two. And and I've also seen the other guy you highlighted, James Najee here. You know, I've seen him go pretty high up in, in certain mock drafts. And then so, go super low in others. So, well, here's the thing. I think for this draft, really outside of the top seven to eight players, it feels kind of a crapshoot that certain guys could go 10 or they could go 25. You know, they really have. But another guy that you've talked about that you really like is Andre Jackson out of UConn, who, you know, I, is, I'm not a super big draft guy. So a lot of this is research I've done either on the tail end leading up to the draft or it's been, you know, just happens to be that for UConn, you know, I, I grew up in Mass- grew up in Dorchester. My father was from Connecticut. I've always had a miniature tie to UConn. You know, before Boston started winning everything, Adam, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, UConn in 1999 was the first thing anyone in the New England region had won in years. It had just been a massive drought. And I remember my my grandmother, rest in peace, I remember she sent me pictures of the parade. She took pictures of the TV that was broadcasting really? the parade. Yeah, and then sent that to me. I think she got a hat signed for me by, it, it was the Rip Hamilton, Khalid el team. She got it signed by some other random guy on the team. But that was like, you know, rooting for the Red Sox, the Celtics, the Patriots, and the Bruins at that time. They didn't win shit. They were called Loserville up till 2020, uh, till 2001, excuse me. And of course, that, you know, that, that, that all flipped. But like, so I've always had a little bit of a tie to UConn. I got some friends in here in Austin that are big UConn fans. So I have watched Andre Jackson. You know, the biggest knock with him is just the inability to shoot. Yeah. But he gives you a lot of ready made skills. And I know he was your original crush. So tell me a little bit about Andre Jackson or tell the people at home a little bit about Andre Jackson because he has been rumored to the Celtics in two different mock drafts at this point. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the better perimeter um, point of attack defenders in this draft. I think that he's He's unquestionably Marcus smart type of rookie impact where he's going to come in. He's going to change the way your perimeter defense looks in terms of effort and hustle. Not so much in terms of execution, but the offensive downswing is just really, really tough to swallow. Like, you, the, wherever you put him on the floor, the, he's going to get helped off of. If you put him in the mm-hmm. corner, they're helping out of the corner. Put him in the slot, they're helping off the slot. It's just really hard to find a way to utilize somebody who is just such a negligible asset on offense, right? And when I've watched him play, I'm like, yeah, there does look to be 
scalable skills there. Like, you know, Marcus Smart came into the league and everybody thought that it was going to be the same with him and he's managed to become like around about a league average shooter. I, I liked Jackson a lot. I also liked that he come from UConn, so there was kind of that connection there with Boston just in terms of locality. But then when I look at it from the other side of things, I'm like, Kobe Bryant just makes a lot more sense in terms of he gives you everything you need. Mm-hmm. But so when I was really big on Jackson was when I was big on, well, you don't really need more offense behind Jalen and Jason in that third wing role. What you need is somebody to come in and kind of take some bumps and bruises for them so they they have less damage coming onto their body throughout an 82-game season. You can ask Jackson to do that. He's going to be willing to do that because that's the role he plays. And then you hope that being around such elite scorers and elite shooters, he develops that himself just by being around them and being in practice. But then you kind of dive into Kobe Brown and you're like, well, he can do the defense, but he's already shown flashes of being a high-level scorer. So why Mm -hmm. would you go for Jackson when you could go for Brown? And that's kind of been where I've been battling with. But now I'm kind of going into tomorrow like, yo, if it's not Jalen Hood-Shafino at 14 or 15, mm-hmm. uh, which it's not going to be. Then which, by the way, that would be the answer to the question we were talking about earlier. If you, if you are looking to the draft to try to solve your you know, point guard floor general problem, that's the guy in this draft that you'd want to look to. Yeah, for me personally, I think it goes, you know, there are some other guys that are ahead of him. Um, Case on Wallace is being ranked ahead of him in terms of the draft. I'm not a big Case on Wallace guy. I think there's some um, some red flags there. Uh, you've got, I think Amin Thompson is going to be going. Yeah, I'm saying outside of those those top lot. Yeah, like even like then, the, like the I'm still more Hood Shafino than, than Tom. I'm still higher on Hood Shafino than I am Case on Wallace. I'm yeah. still... You know, I haven't really seen enough Thompson, but that's in a weak league. Like it's the overtime elite. How, like, and they're older that, too. They're they're yeah, older like, than you think. Hood Shafino for me is the the best guard after Henderson. After Scoot, yeah, yeah, and that's fair. Then I think I'm being fair. Then, um, but you're not going to get him unless, and it would need to be the Grant Williams sign and trade plus the thirty fifth pick mm-hmm. plus a future pick to probably get up to that range. And that's yeah, just, that's far too rich for me. Yeah, I mean, it's. I would say there's a a chance, but I would say it's probably that's probably not not in play for what might happen tomorrow night. Another guy that I did want to ask you about here, because this is once again, like I said, I'm not a huge draft guy, but some of the guys in college that I have had a chance to watch. One guy that really always kind of stuck out to me, and another guy to your point, I've seen him in the late first round, early second round. I've seen him in the middle of the first round. But Jamie Jacquez out of out of UCLA. He's an older wing that, you know, led UCLA to the Final Four a year ago, two years ago, uh, you know, set all types of records at, at UCLA. He's one of those guys that feels like probably doesn't have the highest ceiling, but has a pretty high floor and can probably come in and at least contribute in a meaningful way right away in spot minutes, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, depending on what the role is per night. Uh, I was curious, Adam, if you had any thoughts on on him and if he might be a guy, because, you know, when you look to the Celtics depth chart now, I mean, we're still kind of looking for some more wing depth. I think that's always been something, whether it's last year or where we're at right now in this offseason, is that having a little bit more versatility on the wing to back up the Jays is something that this team could use a little bit more of. So I'm curious to know your thoughts on on him as a prospect. Yeah, I mean, I want to be really honest here. I haven't really seen enough of him to have a take. Like, I've always seen him being out of trade reach. 
Um, so I'm kind of being like, yeah, he's good. Well, this, might, under- this might fit in that Jalen Hood Shafino area where it's maybe you have to do a smaller trade to get from 35 to 25. Yeah, to, and to then maybe that draft makes sense. And then the exactly. Hood Shafino one was like, I looked into him because I'm like, yo, the dude's got good length, good wingspan, and sometimes I like watching guard prospects. That's kind of, you know, some people watch, I don't know. Battlestar Galactica on a weekend. I watch point guard <laughs> from pick and rolls to see what's going on. I'm just weird like that. Um, so I watched a lot of Hood Shafino. I haven't yeah. seen enough of um, Jack Jacquez to even have an opinion. I just think yeah. that he, if I had to choose between him and Kobe Bryant, I'm going with um, Jacquez because he's more of a, he's more, there's more cachet with him, right? He's more prime time in, in a sense. He's got a bit more uh, tournament experience. So I'd definitely be there with you too. I just don't want to pretend like I know more than what I do. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, he's just, like I said, he's, he's one of the few guys that I have seen going into tomorrow night that, you know, whether it's he slips because of his age or if there's an opportunity for, you know, a, a Grant Williams sign and trade, which, you know, obviously can't happen tomorrow night, but it's kind of a handshake agreement for the future. Uh, or if there's an opportunity to package, you know, maybe a Peyton Pritchard and a future draft pick or something that there is a chance to to get up there and get a guy like that. He is someone that I would love to see, you know, in Celtic green come next year. Uh, Adam, you know, a, a, as we're still digesting all this, man, a, anything else that we haven't hit either draft related or Porzingis related right now? Excuse the sirens in the background. Uh, not really. I think we've kind of touched on everything. I know that we've got the Marcus here asking, do we give J.D. Davison a chance? David da- J.D. Davison is technically a free agent right now. Um, two-way contracts are one-year deals. He's eligible for a second two-way. Boston could look to give him a you know, a small contract similar to what they did with Luke Corner and Sam Hauser last year. They could put him on a small deal, ask him to come and sit on the bench and kind of fill that role that Peyton Pritchard did, assuming Peyton Pritchard gets elevated into the Malcolm Brogdon role or some form of that, or maybe they move Pritchard to bring in a different guard. They could then put J.D. Davison in that um, Pritchard role. Otherwise, he's back on a two-way or he's gone. Uh, Those are your three options there. Uh, And then I could see that we've got the chance to be this year's PP. I'm assuming that was to do with... uh, so we could, think, yeah, yeah. We're, we're both on the same uh, same wavelength there. Other than that, I think other than sitting here trying to figure out who the hell's going to be signing traded for Grant Williams, <laughs> and I mean that's just that's going down a whole different rabbit hole. We're just we're just waiting, man. I mean, there's literally an hour and twenty five minutes left until the deadline because Christoph's pausing us has got till seven p.m. Yeah, he's, got to, he's got to opt in. That's that's a very yeah. important key to this that he has to opt in. So obviously, by the time this drops as a podcast, we will have known uh, exactly what happens there. And then the extension results are, are starting to come out as well. Looks like potentially it could be two years, $77 million. Um, that That's was, not bad. It, 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 which it really isn't bad, right? And so here's the other thing, because... You know, as we were getting ready to podcast today, like like I said, Adam, our our main plan was to talk about the draft. And there was a few rumors. Like there was that Aiton rumor for about thirty seconds before it got shut down. You know, that Chris Haynes had from a from a radio station that I don't even know how how legit it was. But but that was a name that, that you know we've talked about over the last week or two. And the thing for me when I was thinking about you know for a brief period, Porzingis versus Aiton. Aiton comes with some guaranteed money. Now, obviously, if we're going to add the extension for Porzingis, it evens it out a little bit in that realm. 
But I think there's a part of me that would would probably actually rather gamble on Porzingis than Aiton. And, and part of that is I kind of like that Porzingis has a little bit of fuck you in him. You know, Aiton's <laughs> a- a- biggest thing has been, you know, he doesn't always show up. And for a team that we just watched struggle to at times show up when needed in the playoffs and say, we got to be better. It's game two of the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, of course. It's not the regular season. You know, I, I think a guy like Porzingis, who when he's right, has that kind of attitude about him. You know, I kind of like that. And obviously he's already played in New York. He's very used to kind of that market. Obviously it didn't end well. So I don't know, maybe that's a bad sign. But, you know, like I, I do think that I would actually lean a little bit more Porzingis over a preference to a guy like Aiton anyway. So I think that this kind of works out even when you look at if he gets the extension and it's three years, you know, aggregate that 33 to 36 million, whatever it is. Yeah, it's going to get tight and you're going to have to make moves. But you know what? That's the entire league. The entire league is going to be dealing with this as well, especially those teams that are right at the top of championship contention. Um, So I'm going to tell you this. My nickname for DeAndre Aiton is the Incredible Sulk. Because he's always <laughs> yeah, no, that that seems about right. That's why I mean, that's part of the reason that Phoenix is, is is looking to to make a move here. But we'll see what happens with them. You know, any other thoughts right now on the Clippers or Washington side of the straight, Adam? Yeah, so the Washington side of it, I know there was a report that came out yesterday that simply blew my mind, where they were like, um, the report basically stated that Washington were in no rush to figure out Chris Paul's future. They wanted to keep him. And I'm like, if you traded Bradley Bill, you need to hit the reset button, right? Anything other than hitting that reset button on your roster is disingenuous to your fan base. Mm-hmm. This kind of feels like the secondary move that really shows you Washington are moving towards that rebuild. They're clearing some, they're clearing some cap space. They're trying to acquire some assets. That's good. That's exactly what Washington should be doing right now. You trade away your star guy. Your two of our, you know, quote unquote stars in Kuzma and Paul Zingas are both able to opt out and bounce if they don't want to be here. You lose them for nothing, finding a way to get something back for KP. Obviously, you haven't been able to do that with Kuzma. Maybe you try and sell him on being the, the face of the rebuild. Who knows? But that's exactly what Washington should have done. In LA, I know there's a report out there that. The Clippers are quite confident, like they're exploring ways of moving on from Paul George, from mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, the, the the Clippers are at a point of inflection right now, right? Like no I one's healthy ever. Well, I was going to say that I was about to say that's the funniest part of them adding Malcolm Brogdon is is you know a player uh, you know a player in his thirties who has questionable health. Sounds like the LA Clippers have just found somebody else that fits the mold of their entire team. Of hey, if Brogdon. If Kawhi, if Paul George are healthy, you know, this team could be really could be really difficult to deal with. So, you know, it, it's another thing. Well, I mean, I mean, the Clippers are the kings, right, of just of, of going all in with these type of moves. Yeah. You know, so I, I think in one way, I think Brogdon makes sense with those guys. But it's just another, you know, if you're a Clippers fan, you just got to be sick to your stomach. Like, oh, man, now we got to deal with this with another guy that potentially is, you know, is often injured and just not know who's available. But, you know, when you're giving up Marcus Morris and the 30th pick, like, you know, the, 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 there is some measure of sense to it as well. So uh, I just think you know, that, sorry, I just think that when you've got, you, when you don't have the guard depth to protect Brogdon and you're you're all of a sudden he's backing to a starting starting lineup as the starting guard and you're not being able to manage his minutes, you're not being able to protect him throughout the regular season, 
those injuries are going to come back because that is the that's the track record he's got. We've seen a large enough sample size to say that when he's a primary point guard playing with very little depth behind him at the guard position, he's going to get hurt. And, you know, the Clippers have been searching for a point guard to kind of man manhandle the ball for them. Manhandle's the wrong word, but I was struggling. <laughs> um, but, you know, and now they're going to put Brogdon back in the position where he was in it, unable to stay healthy before. As Winfred put, Kawhi PG and Brogdon all in street codes, 100 mil bench. <laughs> Good thing Steve Ballmer's rich as hell, dude. Yeah, I mean, listen... They, they partially put in, it feels like, the super tax provisions a lot because of Steve Ballmer. Because yeah. that dude would have paid into the tax, and not it's not going to affect his bankroll at all. And it was such an advantage for the although it hasn't worked out as an advantage for the Clippers. But now they'll have to, obviously, starting in the next year or two, factor in how it limits their roster building. But, you know, Adam, I think we've, this last couple of minutes here, we've been kind of dragging out to see if any new information Soon comes as we out. end... Within 10 minutes of us ending the podcast. Something's going to drop. It's just inevitable. It's how it goes. But I think we've stretched this out about as long as we can. But before we sign off, I want you to let the people know. uh, I know that you have a new, is it a Patreon page? I'll I'll let you explain it. But but tell the people about um, your new page that you got dropping here and how they can sign up. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. So it's not a Patreon. Um, I'm not even going to go into the details of what it is. It's still a newsletter type thing. You know, it gets sent straight to your inbox. There is a website where it will land to. Um, it's called CelticsFilmRoom.com. That's it. CelticsFilmRoom.com. Um, there's free. There's free plans and there's paid plans. Paid plans are five bucks a month. Free plans don't cost you a penny. Obviously, certain content's going to be paywalled. Content might be fifty percent free and then fifty percent paywalled. Um, just honestly, I'm just working my ass off lately for other people, and I want to kind of work my ass off for myself at the same time. So, if any of y'all on the uh, watching this live, or any of you watching it back or listening. If you want to show some love for me, I'd really appreciate it. Celticsfilmroom.com. Yep, and that will be in the description of the YouTube page. Try to add it to the podcast as well. But that's going to do it for this episode of Green with Envy, Adam. It is always a blast trying to figure out our thoughts in real time when breaking news like this happens. Chris Stapps, Porzingis, to the Boston Celtics. Who would have thought? New big three in Boston. Really excited to see what happens as we look ahead to draft night on Thursday night or tonight if you're listening to this on the podcast. Uh, as always, we appreciate everybody for tuning in. And for those of you that joined us on the YouTube, on Twitter, as we went live for this and joined us in the chat, we'll be doing more of these throughout the offseason. Uh, as always, we're going to send you over to our good friend, Greg Manakis and his band down here in Austin, Texas. They are Black Sheep Optimists. Not sure what song's playing, but hope you all kick back and enjoy Yeah, I say this, they say this, misanthropic rapists, they bleed us through feeders where we congregate and we crave information. They gave us sensation, replacing.
ourselves blinded They freed us our rights as if we need reminded Preaching united, but speaking divided Leeching off everything for which we fighting Beat up and blinded, the teachers and rhymers Beacons of reason for those who stay silent We keep on rising, so speakers colliding See what we dream of, oh yes, we gon' find it and it starts with some questions Hands to the sky like you asking for my blessing I'm wondering why we've been lacking and stressing We all in this bit, so God, where's the connection? Um, with the sin I'm professing What good is confession if we always miss the lesson? Be the exception and question their lies I'll show you the answer Just open your eyes Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.